0: you have goals do you do you have
1: goals (laughs) welcome to keep it fictional a weekly podcast for book lovers by book lovers build your to be read list with sadie liz virginia fiona and Corrine from the port moody public library warning this podcast contains strong opinions and may cause an increase in your library holds list
0: Welcome to 2022. This is our first 2022 podcast, so that is pretty exciting. You are listening or watching Keep It Fictional with your book friends from the Port Moody Public Library. Today we have a potentially dour subject, I guess, depending on how you interpret it. We're going to be talking about our winter reads. So I guess I'm really coming from my own perspective here. I know uh, some people have a different strategy for reading in the wintertime, and they might not all take the uh, approach that I do. Uh, So I'm here with my book friends, Corrine and Virginia. What makes something a winter read for you two? What makes you want to pick up a book when it's cold? Maybe it's snowy. Maybe it's
1: rainy. What do you want to read? Well, I mean, you mentioned the word dour during your introduction, and that is kind of what I tend to gravitate during the winter. I like winter. I mean, I like parts of winter. I like picturesquely looking out the window and holding like a warm beverage. And I have a lot of really like cozy things to wear. So I like winter from the inside. As soon as I have to step outside, then it's all over. It's over between us. But uh, for me, winter reads is when I really start to like hunker down and go like dark, dark. So I'm going to be reading uh, for this kind of winter. uh, Like I'm looking for a lot of murder mysteries. I'm looking for maybe more cult stuff. I'm looking for things to like make me cry. Like I'm really just going to like hunker down and hibernate with my sadness for this winter.
2: I don't have anything specific that I read for the season I don't I don't think my reading is seasonal that way um what is going on outside doesn't matter to me (laughs) it's always going to be dark anyway so you know it really makes no difference so
0: I don't have anything specific that I read for winter
2: how about you Fiona
0: I'm definitely a very seasonal reader. I feel maybe it goes with being like a mood reader too, because you're so affected by like what's happening outside, but it is really interesting. It'd be nice to just be able to be like consistent just, just year throughout the year. Uh, I'm definitely on a similar train to Kareen. Things tend to get a little bit darker for me in the winter in terms of reading. I'm ready to like hunker down with something maybe a little bit more emotional or like tougher Um, It's like a catharsis thing, I think. Actually, I do love winter when it's not raining. You know, we are in Vancouver, so take that as you will. And I don't read a lot of murder mystery, but I definitely want to watch all the murder mystery in winter. And then I want to read just more intense things. Well, then I guess it was probably a little bit of a, like, not a struggle, but like a... a push for you to pick something then Virginia um, because you had to go with the theme of winter so how did you interpret a winter read?
2: Um, Yeah, so for me, um, when I was looking at the topic today, um, it was more for like, okay, well, I was trying to find a book that is set in winter. That was kind of how I interpreted it, you know, like where there's like snow, where there's like, it's like you said, dark, you know, like at five o'clock kind of winter weather. And that was what I uh, chose to do. But before I tell you my book, let me first tell you about the legend of Melmoth, The Witness. It is said that three days after Jesus Christ died on the cross, a group of women went to visit his tomb in the cave. And when they got there, they saw that the stone at the cave entrance has been rolled away, and inside they found no body. And when they came out of the cave and there was Jesus, the Lord has risen, they proclaimed, and all of them went to tell the world the good news, all except one, one who refused to bear witness to the resurrection of Christ. And for that, Melmoth was sentenced to wander the earth until the second coming. She will walk and walk and walk on her bleeding feet all alone until the world ends. In the middle of the night when you wake up, you know how sometimes you see that dark patch on the wall that seems to be moving? like smoke coalescing into a shape? You know that across the street in the window, sometimes you spy a shadow just for that one moment and then it's gone? You know that feeling when you can sense that someone is watching over your shoulder? Well, now you know who it is. She has always been there watching everything you do, even the things that you think no one else knows. And when the time comes, she will beckon to you to join her. Would you take my hand? She will ask. I have been so lonely. When we first met Helen Franklin, she has not heard of Melmoth The Witness either. She has moved to Prague from England and is working as a translator. We don't know why yet, but Helen is depriving herself of the joys and even those simple pleasures of life. There will be no soft mattress for Helen. There will be no sugar in her tea. And it's all an atonement for something she has done. One day, her friend Carol came to her and thrusting these papers at her and said, Do you know Moth? Of course you don't. But she's coming. She's coming. Here, take these and read them. Helen has never seen her friend so frantic, so terrified. And yet there's this longing in his eyes. And perhaps maybe... With a bit of a evil glint as he gave these papers to Helen. And then a few days later, Carol disappeared. I found Sarah Perry's Melmoth when I was searching online for books set in winter. And I can see how this story can really happen in no other season than winter. Like that cold, frigid air just is like perfect atmosphere for the book. And when you look out and everything is just like white, all one color, snow, like life seems to have been sucked out from that city. And that isolation that we sometimes all feel in winter and like the stories of the people who have come face to face with mammoth as helen was reading all the different accounts all of them they were alone alone with a guilt that is all consuming that is just eating them and as i'm reading this i kept forgetting that this is actually set in modern day prague because sarah perry just does such a good job in creating this perfect Victorian Gothic novel. And it's so, so well done. And a narrative structure where you have like, oh, this person found a bunch of documents. Like that's not particularly new, but I just love how Sarah Perry draws us back into the story with the story of Helen and uh, how like, you know, how the way she describes it. Oh, look, look at Helen. Here she is walking down the street. And just the way that she made us into witnesses, really, of all the things that happened in the story and her writing is so, so, so good. I think it's, it's hard to make your writing good without being too flowery and like just too, like too much, you know, like, and then you kind of lost the, 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 story. She didn't do that. It's just, it's just the right amount. Um, So, and I think that's probably what draws me in the most for this book. Um, It's not I'm not always a big fan of, like, gothic novels, depending on how they're done. It has to be done in a very special way. And I think Sarah Perry did that for me. If you're looking for, I think, something pretty dark, I think, based on what Corina and Fiona said earlier, if you're looking for something for the winter
1: that is a little darker, check out Melmoth by Sarah Perry. I have to say her other book, I think it was her first one, The Essex Serpent, also it's actually set in Victorian times, which I think you kind of picked up on Virginia that that's kind of like... It, it feels like it comes from that time, right? Like it feels like it should be there. Um, Essex Serpent is equally as good, but yeah, she she goes dark. Goes dark. Dark and weird. Dark and weird.
2: Yeah, but there's also... is that still hope, right? Because it's still like, you know, they're, they're asking us, don't don't lose yourself to despair. I feel like that was sort of the message that I got from from all the stories is that the people who are refusing, refusing to join Melmoth, perhaps. Um, and and that's, I think, so it's, it's dark, but yet it's not, like, completely hopeless, so.
0: And I have to say, you made it sound way more interesting than Sunday School ever did. So <laughs> I enjoyed uh, your narration very much. <laughs> All right, can you top the darkness, Karine? Oh,
1: well, can I? Because when I thought of winter and a wintry read. I went very literal and just chose a book with the winter just right there in the title. And oftentimes when I think of winter, I think of the siege of Leningrad. So, 872 days in the horrible Russian winter, a million civilians and Red Army defenders dead. That's what I think about when I think about winter. Uh, And so I chose uh, one of Kristen Hanna's earlier books, The Winter Garden, a novel. And it is both a fairy tale and a nightmare. And it is about the stories we tell about ourselves and about our families. So it is a story of two sisters, Meredith and Nina, and their father is very, very ill. And so they have rushed to his side uh, to be with him in his last moments. Also there is their mother. Who they don't really have any connection with. Their father is really the glue that held this family apart. And the girls have constantly sought approval or attention or anything, really. Any emotion at all from their their very cold and distant mother. And so to kind of find love and acceptance, they kind of went in two separate places. Meredith married someone comfortable. She has settled down to take over the family's apple orchard. She has a dog and maybe a divorce coming, but she's led a very regular life, um, but constantly feeling disconnected from the people around her. Nina, the other sister, has a shock of short hair, she has become a photojournalist, and she goes all over the world seeking conflict and war and the energy um, to kind of fill that hole inside of her. They grew up to be very, very different people, but they are both united in the story that they tell about their childhood that their father was a kind and gentle person, and their mother was a cold, forbidding figure like the queen in Hans Christian Andersen's Snow Queen, cold, distant, cutting. Their mother cannot comfort them or will not comfort them as their father is slowly fading away, but he makes his wife promise to tell them the ending of the fairy tale. So this is a story that was told to Nina and Meredith time and time again, the story of Vera and her handsome prince and their life in an enchanted land where everything went well. This story was the only time that Nina and Meredith really connected with their mother of when she was telling this story to them. And for them, it is maybe the one bit of affection or connection they have with their mother. But as she sits down to tell this tale over many nights, Meredith and Nina begin to see that the story is changing. Instead of the enchanting story that they knew as children of a beautiful girl growing up in a privileged household in a beautiful country, it becomes something more real, more terrible, more heartbreaking. It's the story of a young girl who is beset by the forces of history, of the Second World War of the starvation during the Siege of Leningrad, of the privations and oppressive regime of Stalin, and it is the story of survival at a terrible, terrible cost. And Nina and Meredith start to understand that the story that they have been told about their family, the story that they have told themselves about their mother, and the story of their own lives is not really the truth at all. This is a book like Kristen Hanna's other book that kind of connects the past and the present with different voices. It is meticulously researched, and the point of view of a civilian during the Siege of Leningrad is particularly harrowing and awful. Um, It really talks about both the impact that the war had on the civilians during this time, but also that lingering trauma and how it echoed through their lives, even as some stained Russia and some left. So if you are looking for a very well-researched historical novel, a lot about families, a lot about stories, um, then I would definitely recommend picking up uh, Kristen Hanna's earlier work, The Winter Garden, which controversially I liked more than her later stuff.
0: Thank you Karine. that sounds fantastic and right on the nose. <laughs> All right, let's take a brief reprieve. We are going to talk about what 2022 holds for us in reading. Do you have
1: goals? Do you have, do you have goals? Do you have <laughs> goals? Wow, that's a deep. do you question Fiona, do you, do you care about the future? Can you see things? Um <laughs> so this is kind of looking forward to 20, oh, looking into, because we're in it, 2022, the year, the year of reading. So you're asking us kind of like, what, do, do we have a plan? Okay, I feel like Virginia definitely, Virginia, I know you've got spreadsheets upon spreadsheets. I know your spreadsheets have got pivot tables. I know your pivot tables have formulas. And I know you've got a plan set out for 2022.
2: Maybe. <laughs> but first, I need to review my 2021 spreadsheet right, to see how I did, look at all my charts and see what, everything, to so see all the data that I have. And then once I make sense out of that, then I will be able to perform a plan for 2022. So I don't have that yet. <laughs> but it, I mean, I know it's, it's yeah, it's ridiculous, but it's, it's also kind of really fun to look back into your year when you have information to see what you have done and and whether there's things that you can do more of or just even like what's well, just interesting to see like oh my gosh like I read like like this many whatever novels it's like it's 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 fun fun I need Sadie to be here because Sadie is the only one here that understands the fun of looking at your own reading here um but anyway so for 2022 trying I don't know I don't I don't know I feel I i I had a pretty good year in 2021. So I hope that I can replicate that. Um, I felt like I did a lot of, you know, like out of my own, maybe it's just the year. So I I did a lot of books that I felt like I would never have picked up previously. And I so that was interesting um, to see. Um, so looking forward to that. I definitely looking forward to. I know it's weird. Also looking forward to reading more short stories, which is a never a thing that I was. I thought I would say, but I'm definitely going to pick more of those up because there's a lot of authors out there that I haven't touched yet. So very um, kind of excited about that. But yeah, and then looking at just what's coming out, there's so many books already coming out in the first few months. I'm like, it is going to be another very um hard to decide here. Yeah, Cause I'm just I need something to help me decide, which is where this podcast comes in, <laughs> you know, when the podcast is like, you have to read a book about whatever. And that's kind of really, really does help me decide what to read. So I'm looking forward to knowing what kind of topics we will have for this podcast. And that will help me. That's my plan. My plan is. Based on this.
0: So, yeah. I tend to use my previous year as well to like think about the next year of like, what did I, what do I want to do better? And one thing I want to do better this year is I I want to read um, more like 2022 releases, but like including ARCs. So we do have access to advanced reading copies uh, in some cases. And I noticed that that's a strategy Virginia uses very well. And then, And then you get to be the one who tells everybody about this new exciting book that's coming out. So I want to do that. I also want to read more um, adult books. I didn't really realize that I didn't, um, but then I looked at my uh, top five and I don't think there were some graphic adult graphic novels and no to straight up adult novels. But I don't want that to cut into my YA reading. So the solution is that I just have to read more.
1: It's as easy as that, Fiona. Just read more. Who needs sleep? Everyone, everyone needs sleep. It would be nice to have some.
2: Uh, Well, well, while we're not sleeping, we may as well. May as well pick up a book, right? I guess. (laughs) I guess.
1: Much more effective than tossing and turning. (laughs) Um, I did not have a good... Year 2021 was maybe the worst reading year I've ever had. And so my goal for 2022 is to be just like super gentle with myself and try to like rediscover like the passion and and reading for pleasure as opposed to feeling like, like I should. I I mean, I do the Goodreads challenge, but I usually set the bar super low so that I kind of like pass over it in a month and then I feel accomplished like it's something to do. But one thing that I am trying to make my way through, and I think I might be successful due to the amount of interlibrary loans that I've just placed, so I have to read those first, is I am trying to go through RM from BTS's uh, book list. So all the books that he has read and recommended or that have been spotted on his bookshelf, um, I have been slowly making my way through that list and I'm I really enjoyed them and like, I've really discovered some books that I definitely would never have picked up on my own. Um, so yeah, my, my goal is to go through as much of RM's, uh, bookshelf book list as I possibly can. Um, (laughs) it's, it's fun. It's really fun. And, uh, yeah. And, and get through that. So that, that is my 2022 challenge is to read as much as RM.
0: I think that is a fabulous strategy. I think that will absolutely bring back the joy of reading for
1: you. <laughs> it depends. You like some real bummers. I I read a couple. I cried at about 80% of them. So,
0: well, you did say that that's something you want to do this winter is cry during your reading.
1: <laughs>
0: Maybe want wasn't the word that you used. I'm not sure. <laughs> All right. To finish us off, I am going to talk about my winter read, which is a little bit out of my usual recommending, I guess. I chose a adult fantasy novel called The Second Bell uh, by Gabriella Houston, and this is a 2021 release. Myriad has a baby girl. She's overjoyed. She's been waiting for this moment all of her life, which is why it's absolutely devastating. When the girl is born with two hearts. Now, that is not as strange as you might think in this world. You see, sometimes a striga is born, which is a baby with two hearts, one of which is evil. This is set in sort of a a Nordic e-village where life is, is pretty tough. They're farmers and makers and they live off the land. However, things are about to get a lot tougher for Mariat because her baby is banished along with the other Strigas who live on the outskirts in their own tiny town where life is a lot rougher. They don't have the excess food, the comfort of warm beds. The living is pretty tough in the Striga village. Some babies are simply abandoned by their mothers, left for the village to come collect but Marriott decides that she is going to make a commitment to her baby and she will stay with her, even though she is a Stryga. So Marriott is banished along with her to the village. I got really frustrated because the dad didn't come and there was no discussion of like, like, why didn't he go? The dad can go, too. Anyway, he abandons his family uh, and they go to the Stryga village. Fast forward, uh, her baby Salka has grown up and one of the young girls that they met on the first day they moved there is in love and possibly even carrying her boyfriend's baby. One day, the two of them are out walking in the woods and uh, Mary and uh, Salka's friend falls and breaks her leg. Well, her boyfriend calls on the power of his evil heart to fix his girlfriend's leg. Because of course, evil hearts have amazing powers. And this causes them to be banished. So when a Stryga uses their power and accepts their evil heart, uh, they may turn into a stegoy, in which case they can't be reverted. And so In some cases, they're banished. In very serious cases, their second heart is burned out of them by the villagers, and they are never the same again. So despite this warning uh, of seeing her friends being banished, Selka does come into a situation where she uses her evil heart and is banished. (laughs) Probably... Yeah, that happens pretty early on. And then that part of the novel is sort of this like survivalist um, aspect that I actually enjoy quite a lot. Uh, So it's a very plot driven novel and kind of a cool exploration of these two hearted people. There's a lot of the dynamic is kind of about the town and keeping these Striga under control. Um, There's also also um, characters called the Dola. And they don't have individual names; they are all Dola, and they are in charge of keeping the law and the peace between the humans and the Striga. I enjoyed that sort of exploration of them enforcing the law, and 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 it's really an exploration of who is this actually good for? Why are they controlling these Striga? Yeah, it was it was quite unique in a lot of ways. Very enjoyable moving fast moving book and i would definitely recommend it for if you enjoyed the clan of the cave bear uh it kind of felt a lot like that to me minus the whole aspects of like where she has like five pages that she just talks about like a plant that they say on the ground so there was less of that like plant exposition um but had like a similar feeling to it uh and to me i do like the the magic crossed with the survival for me that is a a good combo. Uh I do want to uh acknowledge that it was super ableist though. So if that's something that is uh, is difficult for you re- to read, you might want to skip the second bell. Dran is a bit of an antagonist. He is the uh like the kind of like mayor or chief of the town's son and he's a uh, can do no wrong. He's totally handsome. All the girls are in love with him, but he happens to have a disfigurement. And Uh, The whole town is totally okay with this. They're like, he's handsome. He's smart. He's kind. You know, he's great. But Dran has this big just feeling of never being enough. And he wants it. And he and everything he does is focused on um, fixing his disfigurement. So I found that like pretty, pretty frustrating. Um, But otherwise, he was a very interesting character. So it was it was extra annoying that they really made his whole character focus around this disability. Uh, but I enjoyed his relationship with Salka very much um, and that exploration. If you like survivalist type stuff, I would recommend The Second Bell by Gabriella Houston, a adult sci-fi book. Well, that has been our winter reread recommendations. Welcome to 2022. That's a lot of twos. Oh my gosh. Um, We will see you next time for Keep It Fictional when I think we are going to be talking about the books that we are excited uh, to release in 2022. So very much looking forward to that.
1: Goodbye. Thank you for listening. If you like our show, please tell a fellow book lover about it. You can find a list of all the books we discussed in our show notes. Join us next week for another fun book chat. Until then, keep it fictional.